0: Welcome to the Go Well podcast. This is Kate Mercer and today I'm talking with Daniel Monteleone who is a medical health professional and podiatrist. Daniel is among 3.4 million other Australians who are living with chronic pain. A few years ago Daniel broke eight bones in his right foot which was the start of his chronic pain journey. On his road to recovery however Daniel made a few conscious decisions to push on regardless and ignore his pain that ultimately led to a second and significant hip injury. By developing pain and going through a long and complicated recovery pathway, it has led Daniel to better understand the patient's perspective of chronic pain and what they need from their healthcare professional. He has dramatically altered the way he now clinically manages patients living with pain he sees in his practice. Welcome to the Go Well program, uh, Daniel Monteleone. It's absolutely wonderful to have you on the show and sharing your experience from both your living and professional point of view about living with chronic pain.
1: Yeah, thanks Kate. I'm excited to share and hopefully bring some value to the people listening.
0: Yeah, terrific. So let's just start with your story and what happened with your foot.
1: Yeah, so it's uh, going on about 10 years ago now. Um, I had a a good injury to my right foot. Uh, it's what is referred to as a Liz Frank injury. And I broke eight bones in my right foot. Um, for the people that are familiar uh, with some of the bones in the foot, I broke all my metatarsals, uh, all the cuneiforms, and I broke the cuboid in two places.
0: And uh, what were you doing when that occurred?
1: I was kickboxing at the time. Uh, um, so some people, I uh, think that's kind of funny what I tell them, that I... <laughs> Maybe yeah. I should have seen it coming better. Yeah, definitely wasn't expected.
0: Yeah. Okay. So keep talking us through that whole experience. So what happened? What actually happened? And what happened afterwards? Uh,
1: <clears throat> yeah. So um, I'd been training for quite a long time, very much into my, my fitness and my health was um, part of who I was and uh, what I enjoyed doing. And um, one night at training, I uh, threw a kick. The kick was exceptionally well blocked. Uh, my foot made contact with someone's shin and it, it broke uh, on impact. Um, and I stepped back with the with the foot um, and I, I managed to continue on uh, for the rest of the sparring session. But I knew something wasn't right. Um, then when I finally did cool down and, and uh, all the, uh, <laughs> the sensitivity started kicking in, uh, I knew something wasn't quite right. Uh, so I went home and iced it immediately and, and hoped for the best. I got a uh, an x-ray shortly after just to make sure that uh, it wasn't broken. Uh, funnily enough, the x-ray said that uh, everything was okay. So I did walk walk around for a further two weeks. And uh, after two weeks of sucking it up and, and getting on with the pain, I uh, decided to um, go and get an MRI and learn a bit more. And that's when I found out that I'd broken all eight bones.
0: Yeah. So you didn't find out straight away. It wasn't until you had the MRI that they actually then confirmed what had happened.
1: Yeah, that's right. Uh, And I I was able to physically or be in pain and hobbling around. I I was physically able to get around. Um, But yeah, having that confirmed two weeks later changed the way that uh, I cared for it. And um, it actually changed what I felt. Funnily enough, learning all that extra information made me care a lot more about the pain and respect it a little bit differently.
0: Okay, so they gave you a moon boot, uh, which you had to be in for six weeks. Then what happened?
1: Yes, so I, I wore the boot for six weeks. Uh, for anyone that's had a moon boot on it, it feels like a really long six weeks. Um, after six weeks, the boot came off and it was quite exciting. Um, sadly for me, it, it wasn't quite cooked. Um, I, I walked around for a few hours and um, I, I felt it straight away. I felt the bone refracture, uh, so it wasn't quite healed. Um, and the result of that meant that I, I went back into the boots for another six weeks. Which, which was not fun, uh, but I did it. I did what I had to do. And um, when the boot came off, uh, the foot felt pretty good and, and I was able to begin activity again. Um, that's kind of, I think, where maybe the um, the story changes from being a story about an injury and, and starts being about chronic pain. Because uh, as I began to exercise again and get back into my fitness, uh, I did start noticing... Um, that I was experiencing hip pain on that same right side, which just got worse and worse and worse. And uh, I, I went and got that investigated and found out I, I had a, an issue there with the hip that was partly related to being in the boot for that length of time and, and the way that my movement had changed. Uh, one thing had led to another, and I had surgery on the hip. And um, I wasn't expecting it, but it took me almost six months to uh, learn how to walk again without crutches and aids and actually get back to work. So it was, a, it was a very long journey.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting. And you and I had a long talk yesterday because I've actually in my life experienced a broken foot and been in a moon boot. And during that time of my life, I was actually a, a bit of a gym junkie. So, uh, yeah, I went through that same similar experience of going to a doctor and, um, yeah, had some unpleasant uh, experiences as well do you think it says anything because it takes me back to when i was wearing a moon boot it does it's quite a lot of strain on your body isn't it it does sort of because you're you're compensating all the time when you when you're moving i mean it, i guess it's the same with the old is it plaster of paris they used to use
1: yeah sure i guess with plaster um you know your, your ability to move around probably wasn't as good hmm. uh, and the reason that boots are preferred these days is you know for convenience you can have a shower and you can sleep better and um, there's something about the way that we can actually load the bone through walking on it. It, it does improve healing. Um, so that's why they are preferred. However, there's uh, there's pros and cons with everything. And um, depending on the level of activity that you do, um, it is gonna change the way the rest of your body compensates. Uh, I remained still relatively active while I had my boot on. I continued to go to work. I continued to do things around the home. Um, I, I didn't wanna let it impact my life more than it had. Um, and because of the amount of activity that I was doing, it was a factor into something that did lead to the next injury.
0: Yeah. So you are a practicing, uh, podiatrist. You also do Pilates, uh, and, uh, some strength, uh, training as well. How has that experience initially changed how you now talk to people about their issues or your understanding of the body, I guess, following that experience and particularly with reference to chronic pain? It's
1: changed everything um you know if I if I had known what I know now I probably would have helped myself in the first place um I I didn't I didn't know then how to help myself I didn't have the same understanding that I now currently do and I, I just needed that help and I just didn't have that knowledge at the time and it was a catalyst for me to actually learn more at the tail end of my recovery and you know speaking to the people that really helped me the most the practitioners that really made a difference and and really empowered me uh to to get my physical ability back and 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 move on from that ongoing pain um i asked him i said you know how did, how did you learn this you know i don't, I don't remember going through university and, and and approaching things the way that that you're approaching um and you know he, he looked me in the eye and he said your learning doesn't stop when you finish university, you know, uh, there's a lot to learn. And, you know, if you're interested in, in learning more, I highly recommend you do this course and this course and, you know, read this book and and, and so on. And, and it just opened my eyes to have a mentor that um, was encouraging me to continue learning. And I, I think sometimes that's the difference between someone that um, can offer more and and someone who simply doesn't. And it's, it's often a lack of knowledge and, and perhaps a lack of opportunity to learn. Um, For me, my injury was the catalyst to learn more and develop an interest.
0: Okay, because actually uh, during that time you said you saw 12 different physiotherapists. Were 11 of them really bad?
1: (laughs) Um, Look, they they definitely weren't all really bad and they they weren't all really bad people. Um, I I believe that every single one of those people were trying to help me uh, as much as they could and the best that they could. And, And I think that that was often quite felt. Um, in fact, uh, it wasn't always me that chose uh, to move on from that practitioner. Sometimes the practitioner would say to me, look, I think it's actually best that you move on and see this person. Um, I'm not sure that I'm going to be the best person to help you. Um, so whether it was um, you know from, from my end or from their end, there was this level of understanding somewhere along the way that this person just wasn't Quite right to help me get to where I was wanting to go, and there there might be someone better. In the instances where I made that decision, uh, I knew along the way, it might not have been the first appointment, but somewhere along the way, I just was not getting the results that I was looking for. Or probably more importantly, I, I don't think I was getting the support that I was expecting. I wasn't having the experience that I was expecting to have. You know, I wanted someone to really understand what. I was experiencing. Uh, understand that you know it's 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 not a pain-related issue that I need to necessarily resolve. There's more to this. There's there's a person with a life behind it, that has intentions and ambitions to get back to doing something so that I can start to live again. And um, I think when it's very black and white and lacking a little bit of compassion or understanding, um, for me, I, I I wanted to move on in those instances.
0: So can you talk us a, a little bit through that? So if you take your, cast your mind back to when you're sitting in front of a physiotherapist that would be prepared to listen to you, what yeah. would you, how would you describe what was going on for you and also including once again the pain, you know, what was going through, uh, what was happening for you pain-wise and how were you managing that? How would you describe that?
1: So, we, I, you know, I talk about this regularly uh, with our team here um, you know what's important when you're you're talking with with someone um, that's experiencing chronic pain um, and it's it's generally the opposite of something called perceived indifference so perceived indifference is uh, someone perceiving that you just quite don't care enough and for a person that isn't presenting that way and they, they really are interested they're going to have a very good what we call client practitioner alliance so, the relationship between the practitioner and the client is very, very tight. There are very clear goals as to what both parties are trying to achieve for that person, and you you understand the steps. You understand how you're going to move in that same direction. And for me, you know, in the clinic that I finally did go to and get the help that I that I did receive and and get to where I wanted to go, it was right from the start. You know, the phone call uh, was accepted very quickly and uh, very politely. It was all very efficient. When I walked into the clinic, it looked nice. Um, They cared about the presentation. I was spoken to kindly. My practitioner called me in at the time of my appointment. We were talking about my goals from the start. They wanted to know a lot. They didn't want to rush into treatment. I think I probably would have spoken for at least half an hour to the person before they even decided to start the assessment from a physical perspective. So the whole experience was completely different. If I think back to some of the poorer experiences I could have been waiting in a waiting room for a very long time. I probably wasn't looked in the eyes. I could tell that the the practitioner was flustered and stressed and uh, running behind. Um it was all rushed. Um and probably a low point. Um one thing that I do remember someone saying was, you know, we've we've followed this protocol that generally works for, for most people and um, for 90% of the population, it it works very well. And uh Clearly here we can see that, you know, you, you must not be in that 90%. And um, I'm sorry, but um, I'm not going to book you another appointment because it clearly isn't working. For me, that was a, a quite a challenging day. And I think, you know, if I step back and try and look at it from that person's perspective, maybe they were trying to be very, very clear uh, and direct with me. And, and, you know, perhaps they didn't want to string me along from appointment to appointment. But the experience for me on the receiving end of that was, um, yeah, it, did, it wasn't a good one. I didn't feel very good I didn't feel very cared for at that time
0: yeah there's a lot in it so for people listening in I guess some of the key points that you're saying there is it doesn't actually matter how many practitioners you see it's really important to find someone that connects with you and you connect with them and also that perhaps being understood or being or feeling that you're being Understood. Really contributes a lot to your how you recover. Would you Would you agree?
1: Exactly. Um, there is an enormous body of evidence uh, to point to the the thing that I was talking about, which is the client practitioner alliance. That is the most important thing in any client achieving their outcomes. If anyone's having thoughts about. I don't really know if i felt listened to or i really don't know if i got out of that appointment what i really wanted to or i'm not really sure that they understand or i'm not really sure that they care you know the moment that those thoughts are there that practitioner client alliance sounds like it's pretty shaky um, and we probably can't expect great outcomes in those instances where people are saying geez you know that that person really took the time to understand and I've got no doubt that they understand exactly what's going on here and I know I'm I'm able to approach them at any time even between appointments to to share to make sure that um, you know we're still both on the same page then you you've got a great foundation and you can continue to take steps each appointment each time uh, together it's a learning experience and it's an experience where we see a progression and if that practitioner-client alliance is really, really tight, uh, we generally see fantastic health outcomes. It's, it's the most important thing.
0: Yeah. And so how much do you think that actually affects the level of pain that a person is feeling as well when they, when they have a good client relationship compared to when it's perhaps not as good? Do you think that actually affects phys- the amount of physical pain for that person?
1: Well, absolutely it could. Um, you know, pain is very individual. Um, So it depends on the person who's feeling the pain and and how they perceive that person and and what that does there to their nervous system. And you take someone who's experiencing pain and you put them in an environment where they feel safe and they feel comfortable and they feel like there's generally a lack of threat and they're anticipating a good outcome. That person's uh, anxiety level and, and their sensitivity of their nervous system in general is going to be lower I mean, you probably could put a heart rate monitor on that person and and see that their heart heart rate is actually lower, and that's going to have uh, you know an impact on on pain. It's quite possible. On the flip side, you know, you put someone in a waiting room and it's very cramped and it's uncomfortable and the temperature's wrong and perhaps they're they're waiting a long time and um, you know maybe they can overhear a, a conversation with someone on reception and, and maybe they're not talking so pleasantly. All of those things are going to impact that person nervous system. And and as I said before, if we had like a heart rate monitor on that person, I, I wonder perhaps maybe their heart rate would be up. Maybe they are a little bit more stressed. All of those things can even impact a person's experience of pain. It is possible.
0: Yeah. And so you've got your own clinic down there at Warren Ponds in Victoria called Proactive Health and movement and you were saying to me that you've sort of moved away from perhaps a little bit what your training was all about, uh, being within the biomedical model to create a clinic there which is based on a biopsychosocial model and you've got a psychologist and a massage person there. So can you just talk uh, through a little bit how that might work with somebody who comes in to see you, how you refer and all that sort of thing?
1: Well, thankfully um, the, the general health profession uh, is moving towards that biopsychosocial model and it's becoming much better understood um, because of my personal experience. When you look at the whole person, when you understand that biopsychosocial model, you have an opportunity to meet a client on that level. And uh, it was something for me that I saw as an opportunity to be able to provide that to the community and to be part of the change in healthcare that is occurring you know, internationally at the moment for me it was also incredibly full circle kind of experience it was it was healing in a way to know that i'd been on the receiving end of uh, some healthcare that you know probably wouldn't wouldn't want anyone to experience but then also had the pleasure of experiencing some fantastic health care and and now really wanting to provide that to to any person that that wants to engage with us and that's seeking help so um, you know, right down to the business name, we, we wanted to be called Proactive Health and Movement because that's exactly what we're about. And, you know, our mission is, is all about empowering lives. Um, so it's all about empowering the person that's seeking help. And it doesn't matter if that's from a psychological perspective or from a perspective of feeling better or becoming empowered to understand their own body so that they can take care of themselves. Ultimately, we, we see ourselves as an adjunct to that person in their own journey of, of improving their lives.
0: it's mm, fantastic. Um, yeah, okay. And um, also going back to your personal experience and more along the lines of your mental health during that experience, you said that the doubts about your physical capacity and your physical ability really brought up some challenges for you mentally. Uh, that you and the people around you were not prepared for, including your fellow practitioners, professionals you were consulting with and your friends and family. Can you just talk about that a bit from a mental health perspective?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a really important one uh, to talk about. I think, you know, that there might be a a bit of a thought process that sometimes physical injuries are just physical and there there is no mental uh, impact there at all. For for anyone experiencing an ongoing physical limitation uh, or for someone experiencing chronic pain, it affecting that person psychologically is is almost guaranteed. And there's a flow on to other aspects of that person's life. it will also affect their relationships, their ability to be employed or enjoy their employment. It will affect so many things. So I know in the time where, you know, needing some help and not doing so well, from a physical perspective, I, I know that my practitioners were trying quite hard. But I, I do, like, look at that and I, I I wonder if, you know, there was an aspect of them needing to understand from a mental perspective what I, what I needed. And I think that's where, you know, sometimes even we refer to as a practitioner's bedside manner or their ability to be kind and talk to people in a, in a professional way, in a, you know courteous way. Uh, sometimes that makes all the difference for someone who's not just there in physical pain and, you know, they're, they're a person attached to that sore knee or whatever it is. And and they might be experiencing a lot of mental anguish or, you know, mental illness that it's associated with that. And I think that's a, a really important conversation to have in the same way. Um, you know, my friends and family, um, they perhaps didn't have the skills to, to help me or support me as fully as I could have been supported. Uh, you know, I was a 27 year old male and, you know, I'd go down to the pub with my mates and those sorts of things. And I enjoyed it um, a lot. And, and I, I actually missed it a lot when I was physically unable to do that. And that had a, a psychological impact on me, you know, perhaps if my friends had more skills in that way, um, they might've been able to support me a little better. And the same goes for my family members. In saying that, I know that they all tried as hard as they could. So it's not a matter of intention or want, Uh, it's just that I think these conversations do raise important points about learning more, um, considering a little bit more, being a little bit mindful. And I think it raises the bar, not just in a healthcare setting uh, amongst practitioners, but it just raises the bar in terms of expectation and understanding in the broader community, which is, I guess, what this conversation is all about.
0: Yeah, fantastic. All right, so it's 10 years down the track since you broke your foot. What's your life like now? How's it changed? And, uh, yeah, just any closing comments?
1: Yeah, well, look, in terms of pain, um, I no longer experience ongoing pain. I definitely have a sensitivity in my body, particularly in the areas that have had uh, that, that physical trauma, to be more sensitive um, depending on activity or loading. So I need to be mindful of that and, and I understand that and I work with that very well I'm not physically limited I I basically can do what I want when I want although I might make some decisions around the intensity of my activity these days which actually prevents me from getting injured I'm I guess you could say a little bit older and wiser personally as well you know it's 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 led my interest into helping people uh, that are experiencing chronic pain and it's, it's led to the birth of, of our business uh, and in helping people in our community. From a personal perspective, you know, I'm, I'm back exercising. In three weeks, uh, hopped in the ring and, and did a lot of skipping and kicking and punching at the punching bag at the gym, um, which I really enjoyed. So uh, it's really lovely to say that I'm able to do the things that I love again, because mm-hmm. there was a period in my life I didn't know if I would. I really worried about it. And that's from an enjoyment point of view and, and what brings me joy in my life. There were also big concerns about, you know, I worried about what kind of a father I would be like. I worried about what kind of value I'd offer society. Would I be a useful person that can contribute? There were lots of worries. And I'm, I'm really pleased to say that for me, I've been able to work through that and I'm doing quite well. But I do want to acknowledge those people that might be in that position because it's a, it's a really, really challenging place to be. And I'd encourage them highly if uh, if you're feeling well supported with the team that you have around you, continue to to work towards your goals. Uh, and if you're not, um, you know, perhaps listening to this might encourage you to to find a team and set yourself up in a way where you, you are feeling that you've got that support.
0: Well, thank you so so much uh, for coming on the show today, Daniel. Really, a lot of things there to to take away and. Uh... Yeah, I think, you know, for me, the most important thing that I would like to say to everyone is don't always just be happy with the first person that you go to see. You know, it is about your health, isn't it? So. uh, Yeah, absolutely.
1: We all get that choice and it's up to us to decide whether we're satisfied Mm. uh, with the experience that we've received. So, yeah, hear, hear.
0: Yeah. All right. Fantastic. Thank you so much.
1: You're welcome, Kate. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Thank you.